0: Part Two, Chapter Fifteen of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. Chapter Fifteen. Rostov, on returning from his furlough for the first time, felt and realized how strong were the ties that bound him to Denisov and the rest of the regiment. When he went back to his regiment, he experienced a sensation analogous to that which came over him on his return to his home on the Pavarskaya. When he first saw the hussar of his regiment, with unbuttoned uniform, when he recognized the red-headed Dementyev, when he caught sight of the roan horses, picketed, when Lavrushka joyfully shouted to his baron, The Count has come! And the tattooed Denisov, who had been having a nap, came running out from his earth hut, and threw his arms around him, and the officers all came out to greet him rostov felt very much as he did when his mother and father and sister welcomed him home tears of joy filled his throat and choked his utterance the regiment was also his home and as sweet and dear to him as the home of his childhood after reporting to the regimental commander and being assigned to his old squadron after taking his turn as officer of the day and forage purveyor after getting into the current of all the small interests of the regiment and coming to a realizing sense that he was now deprived of his freedom, and was confined to a narrow and rigid routine, Rostov felt the same sense of restlessness, the same moral support, and the same consciousness of being at home, in his proper place, as he had felt while under the paternal roof-tree. There was nothing more of that mad confusion of the outside world in which he found himself out of place, and often engaged in questionable actions. There was no Sonya with whom he ought or ought not to come to an explanation. There was no choice offered him of going somewhere or not going somewhere. There were no longer those twenty-four hours which had to be filled with so many varied occupations. There was an end to that innumerable throng of people whose presence or absence was a matter of indifference to him. There was an end to those obscure and indefinably pecuniary relations with his father, an end to his recollections of those terrible losses to Dolokhov here in the regiment all was open and simple all the world was divided into two unequal divisions one was our pavlograd regiment the other all the rest and he had nothing whatever in common with this rest in the regiment everything was known who was lieutenant who was captain who was a good fellow who was a rascal and above all who was his messmate the sutler sold on credit the pay was given quarterly there was no necessity for thought or decision provided only that one did nothing that was considered dishonorable in the Pavlograd regiment. But fulfill your duty, do what is commanded you in clear, explicit, and unmistakable language, and all will be well. Coming back again to these explicit conditions of army life, Rostov felt a sense of comfort and satisfaction analogous to that experienced by a weary man when he lies down to rest. To Rostov his army life was all the more agreeable during this campaign from the fact that after his losses from his gambling with Dolokhov, an action which he could not forgive, in spite of the forgiveness of his relatives, he made up his mind to serve not as formerly, but in such a way as to atone for his fault, to be scrupulously faithful, to prove himself a thoroughly admirable comrade and officer, in other words, a fine man. This might seem quite too hard were he in the world but it was quite possible in the regiment he had also determined ever since the time of his gambling episode to pay back his debt to his parents within five years they sent him ten thousand roubles a year now he resolved to take only two and to apply the remainder to the extinction of the debt our army after repeated marches and counter-marches with skirmishes at Voltussk and at precious Eilau, was concentrated in the vicinity of bartenstein where they were awaiting the arrival of the emperor and the beginning of a new campaign. The Pavlograd regiment, belonging to that division of the army which had taken part in the movements of the year 1805, had been recruited to its full quota in Russia, and had arrived too late for these first actions of the campaign. It had been neither at Poltusk nor at Prusish-Ailau, and now, at the beginning of the second part of the campaign, having united with the acting army, it was detailed to serve under Platov. Platov's division was acting independently of the army. Several times the Pavlo Grazui had to take part in skirmishes with the enemy, captured prisoners, and once even took Marshal Udenot's baggage. During the month of April, the Pavlo Grazui were stationed for several weeks in the vicinity of an utterly dilapidated and deserted German village without stirring from the spot. It was thawing and cold. The rivers were beginning to break up. The roads were impassable, owing to the mud. For many days no provisions had been brought for horses or men. As it seemed an impossibility for transport trains to arrive, the men scattered out among the pillaged and deserted villages in search of potatoes, but even these were scarce. Everything had been devoured, and all the inhabitants had fled. Those who were left were worse than poverty-stricken. There was indeed nothing to take from them, and even the usually pitiless soldiery oftentimes let them keep the little that they had, instead of appropriating it for themselves. The pavlograd regiment had lost only two men, wounded in engagements, but they had lost almost half their numbers from sickness and starvation. Death was so certain if they went into the hospitals that the soldiers suffering from fevers and swellings, caused by bad food, preferred to keep in the ranks, dragging themselves by sheer strength of will to the front, rather than take their chances in the hospitals as spring opened they began to find a plant just showing above the ground it resembled asparagus and for some reason they called it mashka's sweetwort though it was very bitter they hunted for it all over the fields and meadows digging it up with their sabres and devouring it in spite of the injunction not to eat this injurious plant later a new disease broke out among the soldiers a swelling of the arms legs and face and the physicians attributed it to the use of this root but notwithstanding the prohibition, the men of Denisov's squadron eagerly ate Mashka's sweetwort, because for a fortnight they had been trying to subsist on the few remaining biscuits, half-pound rations being dealt out to each man, while the last consignment of potatoes had proved to be rotten and sprouted. The horses also had been subsisting for a fortnight on thatching straw taken from the roofs, and had become shockingly emaciated, and even before the winter was over covered with tufts of uneven hair yet in spite of this terrible destitution officers and men lived just the same as usual just as always though with pale and swollen faces and in ragged uniforms the hussars attended to their duties went after forage and other things groomed their horses cleaned their arms tore the thatch from roofs to serve as fodder and gathered around the kettles for their meals from which they got up still hungry while they joked over their wretched fare and hunger and just as usual during the hours when they were off duty the soldiers built big fires stripped and stood around them steaming themselves smoked their pipes sorted and baked their rotten sprouting potatoes and told stories about the campaigns of potemkin and suvaroff or legends of alyosha the cunning or of mikolka popovich the journeyman the officers also as usual lived in couples or in threes in unroofed and half-ruined houses the older ones looked after the procuring of straw and potatoes and other means of victualling the men the younger ones were occupied as usual some with card playing money was plentiful if provisions were not some with innocent games sviaka a kind of ring toss and quoits or skittles little was said about matters in general partly because nothing positive was known partly because there was a general impression that the war was going badly rostov lived just as before with denisov and the friendship that united them was closer than ever since their furlough denisof never spoke of rostof's family but by the affectionate friendship manifested by the commander for his subordinate officer rostof felt assured that the old hussar's unfortunate love for natasha was an additional factor in the strength of his affection denisof evidently tried to send rostof as rarely as possible on dangerous expeditions and to shield him and after a skirmish or anything of the sort, displayed intense delight to find him safe and sound. On one of his expeditions, Rostov found an old pole and his daughter, with an infant at the breast, in a deserted, ruined village, where he had gone in search of provisions. They were almost naked and starving, and had no means of getting away. Rostov brought them to his lodgings, installed them in his own rooms, and kept them for several weeks until the old man got well one of Rostov's comrades while talking about women began to make sport of Rostov, declaring that he was the slyest of them all and that it was no wonder that he did not care to introduce his comrades to the pretty little pole whom he had rescued rostof took the jest as an insult and losing his temper said such disagreeable things to the officer that Denisov had great difficulty in preventing a duel when the officer had gone, and Denisov, who knew nothing about what relationship Rostov bore toward the pole, began to upbraid him for his temper, Rostov said, "'Well, maybe you are right. She is like a sister to me, and I cannot describe how this thing offended me, because—well, because—' Denisov gave him a rap on the shoulder and began swiftly to march up and down the room, not looking at his friend. This was a habit of his at moments of mental excitement.' What a deucedly fine weed all these Rostovs are! he exclaimed, and Rostov noticed tears in his eyes. End of chapter 15.